Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week, I'm bringing in a guest that competes in NRA Action Pistol, Steel Challenge, and USPSA. He's also the president of his local gun club. So with that, if everybody would join me in welcoming Mr. Josh Bledsoe to the show. How you doing, Josh? Man, David, I'm doing great. I'm thrilled to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Glad to hear you're doing well. And dressed to the nines, I must say. Making me look I, you bad. You know, I would I'd bring only <laughs> the best to the Casual Shooters podcast. I, and yeah, I appreciate I just actually, that. <laughs> I just got home from work and uh, and and really excited to do this. So I, I figured, you know. And stay all dressed up. My fancy side, you know. I, I feel like we're about to go to the prom. We might, we might. It depends on how all this right. thing goes, but uh, <laughs> I'm about to be packing. It's all good. <laughs> I was a uh, best man in a wedding once, and every single groomsman was packing a gun, including the groom himself. <laughs> oh man! Well, that's one way to make sure nothing goes down, right? Uh, yeah. And we were in the country; nothing was going to happen anyway, but. <laughs> You never know when that stray deer might or bear might come out of the woods. You got to take That's action. That's true. All right. So, Josh, if you would, take a moment and introduce yourself. All right. I'm uh, Josh. I, uh, As you said, I'm the president of the Escambia River Gun Club in Cantonment, Florida. Uh, it's just around Pensacola, Florida. Uh, I always say it's uh, as close to Alabama as you can get without without quite getting there. We have about a thousand members, um, and uh, I've been the president of that organization for a year. I work as a public information officer. Uh, I spend my day really dealing with a lot of marketing and uh, uh, asset creation, digital asset creation. Uh, before that, I actually spent eight years as a touring musician in a, uh, a group, a brass group, five-person brass group. I've performed all over the country. Um, and then I have been for 20 years, a professional musician, like classical music, not, not rock or, you know, as you can tell by the tide, I, I'm, I don't do the rock star thing very well, but, uh, uh, that's, <laughs> you know, that's kind of my story. I, uh, I, you know, I used to go out on the road for two, three weeks at a time and I'd be gone for, you know, 200, 250 days a year and decided after I had, uh, my little boy that, um, I was, I was kind of tired of that life, wanted to spend some time at home. And uh, really that COVID, I guess, is really where the shooting thing just exploded for me. Okay. All right. All right. So Josh, I don't, um, I don't know if you're aware of the um, questions you're about to be dealt, but they can be life altering at times. All right. Bring it on. Let's do it. Okay. So, number one, favorite movie? Tombstone. Oh, good one. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's a really good one. All right. I, I have learned um, that a lot of people don't read books. But I'm hoping you working for a school district, you read books. So, what's your favorite book? Oh, yeah, uh, I do read. Uh, my favorite book is actually a book called Psycho-Cybernetics uh, by Maxwell Maltz. 
It's kind of the um, original self-help book. And one of the parts of my life as a musician was touring around, traveling around doing uh, peak performance and anxiety, performance anxiety management clinics. And uh, that book kind of gave me the platform on which I built my own system for managing performance anxiety. So uh, it's one of the few books that I've read over and over again. I'm not a huge fiction reader. Um, American Gods by uh, Neil Gaiman was is like the 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 fiction book that I that I love the most. But I'm not a huge fiction reader. Most of them are, you know, how to get better better up here. So when you say to overcome performance anxiety, are you talking about public urinals or are we talking about public speaking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I guess if you're packing a, a, a 38 short, uh, it could be, uh, any, either one of those. Um, but really, yeah, public speaking, uh, performance, uh, in, you know, whether it could be, um, giving a speech at a wedding or a presentation to your coworkers, but generally it's been about, uh, performing and doing your best in the moment in those periods that might be high stress. Okay. All right. <clears throat> any acting? I know you've got the music background. Any acting background? Not really. Um, the show that we did, or we that, that I, you know, when I when I left touring, uh, was two hours long. It was completely memorized, and it was a ton of choreography, and all the speeches, you know, were scripted. I love to go off script, so not necessarily acting, but a lot of off the cuff uh, in the moment banter and interacting with an audience okay I, I um here's a little tmi story too much information but uh at one time in my past i was a thespian i actually performed at the national cathedral in basically nude tights and uh somebody was supposed to bring this undergarment and they were like oh i couldn't find it so someone gave me polka dotted material to put down in my groin, in my groin, so, and you could see it. So here I am, National Cathedral, completely topless, nude tights, polka dotted groin, crazy. Oh my god, that I don't I don't have anything that could top that. So that, I hope Me you either. still have the nude suit, but uh, yeah. I, I do not. That was a long, long time ago <laughs> in a land far, far away, a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> All right. Mo getting away from those stories. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you're not into um, fiction, so I don't know if you're into superheroes. If you are, who is your favorite superhero? If not, who's your favorite historical figure? So say, favorite uh, superhero is definitely Superman. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I just think any particular yeah, I mean, reason or, it, you know, it's like, he's just, he could do it. He could do everything. And it was kind of the, the little boys thing that, you know, Batman's like a normal guy. And then a lot of the other superheroes were hard to buy into, but it was for some reason as a kid, I could buy into like this guy from another planet who only has, one weakness and so uh for some reason now looking back that seems ridiculous uh but uh but yeah definitely superman 
Okay. So my and the other the other reason I'm going to go ahead and give this up. I shouldn't, but because I wear glasses, uh, my wife will always say she prefers Clark Kent. Okay. (laughs) Or or she, excuse me, she prefers Superman. So then I have to then I have to take the glasses off, and so it's like Clark Kent, super, you know, Superman. There you go. All right. You ever have dreams of being able to fly? No, I, you know, for being, for having super, uh, Superman is my favorite hero. I am terrified of heights. I mean, I could, I can stand on, it could be on, we, this used to be a thing when I toured, they'd want to, they'd want to set up at the edge of the stage. You know, we have these, these markers mm. and they get really close to the edge of the stage. And I'd be like, no way, no, we're not doing it. Back up a couple feet. Otherwise I'm going to have a wet spot in my pants. If we get too close, because I'm just, I'm just. Again, that performance anxiety. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, it's totally irrational, but I, I got a crazy fear of heights. Okay. I used to dream, and actually as an adult, I've had the dream where, um, the old school metal slides, I would go head first. Well, in my dreams, I'd go head first. And that little bit of an oomph at the end would allow me to take flight. So I'd fly like Superman. Nice. Yeah, man. I need to have one of those tonight. That'd be a good dream. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, favorite gun and caliber, and they don't have to be married together. Okay. Uh, definitely a 1911 and 38 super. Okay. I get the 1911, uh, the 38 super is that you shoot open. Um, so, I don't shoot open in USPSA. If I shoot USPSA, I shoot generally carry optics, sometimes um, production and limited. Uh, but my I shoot open in in our reaction pistol, and it's it's kind of a toss up now. But but there's still a hard lean toward 38 super um, in action pistol open guns. And I, I I mean it's so much easier to reload. Uh, it's you know feeds better. So I just Oh, yeah, that's my favorite caliber. Okay. Now, the I like to tailor the last um, question for my guest. And since you have a, a musical background, uh, you have one chance to get this right. Who is your favorite rock band? The Who. Oh, my gosh, you are amazing. I love you. All right, now legitimately, who is? <laughs> oh, my favorite rock band. Um, well, my favorite I, Johnny Cash or band, is, just is, band. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. OG. Yeah. yeah, I love Johnny Cash. My wife can't stand him, but there's just something I don't know. There's something you just can't get more badass than Johnny Cash, and you can't get more American than Johnny Cash. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Johnny Cash is, yeah, he's an OG. That's about all you can say, an OG. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm a fan of The Who. So, but I, but I do you know, love me some there. Johnny Cash. Good, good. Okay. Now, you're president of a gun club now. You shoot three different um, forms of pistol shooting competition but when did you first shoot a gun so my father was uh always into guns as as long as i can remember 
Um, he was an auxiliary officer in the sheriff's department when I was a kid. He went to uh, Marine Officer Candidate School. Uh, he ended up leaving about a week before he was supposed to graduate. Kind of a crazy story, but um, so he was he was into guns. And my earliest recollection, I was probably I was less than ten years old, and my dad took me to the range, and we were shooting his snub nose thirty eight uh, that he carried, and then very shortly thereafter a sawed off double barrel 12 gauge and uh i didn't know what i was getting into but i went home with a bruise on my shoulder and uh and i didn't shoot i wouldn't shoot that gun for years but it was really important to me uh or excuse me it was really important to my dad that i have a working knowledge of firearms that i was comfortable around firearms and that i sort of demystified the the whole thing because there were guns in the house they were always locked up he was very good about that but yeah so i was like seven seven or eight years old okay now did you so did you grow up from there did you hunt did you do anything like that or i did a very little hunting um some squirrel hunting with a with a and deer hunting uh just a, like a couple times really not it didn't it didn't grab onto me. Um, I didn't really do anything with firearms of a significant nature um, until I was in my early thirties. I, you know, I, I would go occasionally, you know, with, with my dad, I'd say, man, let's do, let's go to the range, you know, when I was home from college or something. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't a regular thing um, until my early thirties. Um, I really, I you know, it wasn't like I didn't like firearms. I just, you know, kind of gone and done other things and, uh it was the night the night after i got married um we go out out celebrating on the back broke, stoop pow, pow, pow. yeah and <laughs> we we go we go uh we go out and the next morning and somebody had broken into my wife's car and i turned my garage into a, a workshop studio uh and so it just kind of wigged me out that there was somebody that close to me prowling around my house and it was a you know it was an opportunity um she had forgotten to lock the door so it wasn't like a you know bad it's not a bad neighborhood by any means but so that so then i go out and i'm like i'm gonna get my own every every gun i had had before was my dad's so i'm like i'm gonna go get my gun and i got a taurus g2c just as a concealed carry and i started going out to the range and i i'm like a hyper fixating kind of person I'll grab onto something and I just, I have to, I have to, you know, progress and be better and better and better. And, and that's exactly what happened. Um, so it started with the Taurus and then it moved into a Canic SFX and then it, I'm not going to name all the guns that I have because my wife's probably going to see this. Uh, but, <laughs> but then it, you know, and then it, then it turned into four or five 1911s, a couple double stack, uh, ver, uh variants and, um, some race glocks and eventually I gave those up. And at any rate, uh, uh, I just got hooked. I decided to start shooting steel challenge. And from there it was just uh, a waterfall. Okay. That's like a quarter of a century gap between yeah. first shooting a gun and actually owning a gun. That's a pretty good space in there. So, okay. So we also have a G2C, so I'm down with that. Um, 
So you buy your first gun because of, so it wasn't a breaking and entering. It was just, oh, look, I found an open door. Let me see what's going on in here. Kind of a thing. Um, Still illegal as all get out. Uh, But now how do you go from, okay, let me buy this G2C because we need to make sure that so-and-so doesn't come back. And if they do, we're at least prepared um, to finding these different competitions. So I started just going to kind of the local range, you know, your average, you've got a table and you've got stalls. And I just said, okay, if I'm going to have it in the house, I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm relatively accurate. And I, and I was, and so my wife goes, Hey, let's go get our concealed carry permits. So it was run by the local sheriff's office. So we go and, and, you know, everything's happening at like seven yards, but but they're like, hey, man, you're a pretty good shot. I'm thinking, okay, I'm a pretty good, you know, kind of picking up off off, off that. I started going to uh, the Escambia River Gun Club because uh, you could draw from a holster. You can do transitions. There, there's no, you can rapid fire. There's no restrictions of that nature. And, uh, and I had heard about this thing, Steel Challenge. And I just wanted to give it a shot and see you know, where do I stack up? How am I doing? Uh, and it looks like a lot of fun. So I went out. Are we good? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so I go out and uh, I shoot my first steel challenge match. And it was just, it was just a gas. I mean, I just, it was like the funnest thing, the second funnest thing uh, that I could think of, uh, you know, at the time being recently married. And uh <laughs> And so, so, you know, I did that for probably three months and I was wearing it out. I was burning down 12, 1500 rounds a week at the range when I wasn't on tour because I'd go away and I'd be home for two, three weeks at a time. So I, you know, I was just burning, burning range, uh, ammo and, uh, and I, I was getting better, but not at the pace that I wanted to. And I just happened to squad this time and, and there's this guy shooting open and steel challenge and I'm just blown away, man. He's like, he's so fast and he's so smooth. It was just, it was beautiful. It was like a beautiful thing to watch. You know, it wasn't just fast. It was, and, and so I had been asking people like, Hey man, I want to get some help. Like I want to, I really want to get over this hump. And everybody was kind of lukewarm about it. And I asked him and he was like, yeah, yeah, dude, let's, uh, Let's show up to the range uh, next week, and uh, I'll put a I'll put a an eight inch target out at uh, twenty five yards, and you know we'll see how you do. And I was like, twenty five yards, an eight inch target? What are you talking about? You know? So I every day that we every day that week I was out of the range trying to shoot twenty five uh, yards, and uh, and I made you know I made some progress over that just that week, just pushing myself, but. Um, Eventually, I get out there and he's like, yeah, you know, Steel Challenge is not even really my game. I'm going, well, Jesus, if you shoot that well, what is your game? And he goes, NRA Action Pistol. And, uh, and so that gentleman uh, and his brother, uh, Jeff and Hobby, uh, got me into Action Pistol and, and took me under their wing. And, and quite honestly, uh, every bit of, of progress and every hurdle that I've been able to circumvent in the process... Uh, has been because of their mentorship and they just, you know, they're the kind of ambassadors for the sport that you wish every discipline had. And, uh, and so I started doing that. And then USPSA came to our club. Um, 
the Escambia River Practical Shooters came to the club, run uh, under Donnie Chapman of uh, Chappie Tactical, and he's like, dude, you got to come out and try it out. So I came out, and I'm like, man, this is a lot of fun. I'm getting my rear end kicked, uh, but but it's a lot of fun. So the only thing I don't shoot is IDPA, and that's it's not because I have anything against IDPA. It just happens to run on the same weekend as one of the action pistol matches I shoot, and, you know, uh, I, I just uh, – I got got to get your priorities right, you know. <laughs> now, how um just as a side note while we're there, how um quickly do the matches where you are do they fill up? Really fast. So, um we have we run generally in Steel Challenge about 50 competitors and 60 guns uh, a month. Um, we shoot six stages, steel, uh, steel, and then, uh, USPSA is generally about 60 to 62 shooters. Um, IDPA kind of waned for a little bit and, but has gotten back to 30 ish, uh, shooters. IDPA is kind of having a hard time, uh, right now anyway, but, and then, uh, action pistol, we were supposed to have our first match last month. We had 12 shooters signed up and it rained all day. So, Hmm. The next match will be the second Saturday in May and uh, hoping to get some people come out and try it out and get some folks hooked like I got hooked. Now, when you say action pistol, we're talking NRA, correct? And is that and, the s same thing? Is that AKA Bianchi cup or? Yeah, sort of. So NRA action pistol, um, you know, owns, basically owns the competition. And the Bianchi Cup mm -hmm. is like the big flagship uh, match um, that okay. started in 1979. So you can shoot Action Pistol, but you wouldn't, you'd sort of be doing it outlaw. And then recently the CMP, uh, Civilian Marksmanship Program, got involved and they have acquired the Bianchi Cup. So now instead of, it's the CMP Bianchi uh, Action Pistol. Uh, match so so they've gotten involved in action pistol and i'm really excited to see kind of where that goes but yeah we generally kind of just interchange those you know i call it my bianchi gun i don't call it my action pistol pistol i just call it my bianchi gun you know so uh yes that's it's that's the shooting that it is okay we're gonna come back to that i want to um because you'll be the other than julie Golub. Uh, so you'll be the second guest on the show that's actually shot action pistol. So we'll come back to that. So you got the G2C. You had a buddy. You, you did a steel challenge match. You saw this guy shooting. He takes you to these other matches. Um, what was the time frame between the being inter going to that steel challenge and then deciding that I'm actually going to start buying gear and competing. Even if it's as a hobby, it's still serious enough that you're buying all this gear to do, to perform better. So I showed up to that first steel challenge match, just like, I mean, I was shooting the holster that came with the Canik, uh, the, the Canik uh, TP9 SFX. SFX was my first, okay. uh, you know, kind of big boy gun. Um, but, you know, I showed up and, like, I had all my mags and, and I had everything. But it was, it was, I mean, immediately I went out and bought a better holster. Uh, but it, it, 
Yeah, I mean, it was just right away. I'm kind of one of those uh, one of those dudes that anything is worth doing is worth overdoing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would say uh, my first match was in, uh, and it was October, I remember. And by November, I, I mean, I had a new trigger in the gun. Uh, I had a new holster. I had, you know, everything was, was decked out, ready to go. And then my first action pistol match was January following that that steel challenge match so three months after my first ever competition um and I had a I had a double stack or I still have it it's a double stack 1911 from Rock Island Armory and so I went out and shot in metallic division and uh I mean I had I had everything at the first match I had an open holster and you know, I had all my mag pouches and I had, you know, I was ready to rock um, uh, at the first match, man. It was, I, there was no stopping and collected 200 bucks. It was just open my wallet and everything was gone and things were showing up at my door and my wife's, you know, going, what, what have I gotten into? So she's already thinking annulment. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, man. She, you know, it's, but she's been amazing. She's been fantastic. She's been really supportive and, Eventually, I started shooting four weekends a month, competing four weekends a month. And she did kind of finally have to put the brakes on and be like, you know, I like you and uh, your kids like you. So you should probably spend some time with them. And, and I thought, you know, you're, you're right. So, uh, so I've scaled that back to a couple, couple times a month, two, three times a month now. Okay. Now, you said your first match was in October by November you had new gun new hole or new holster new trigger all that stuff and January was your first action pistol match was that before USPSA or oh yeah yeah USPSA uh, okay. didn't come for probably another six months after that um, you know I had heard of it but we and, and I knew what it was and I was familiar with the names and everything, but we didn't have it at our club yet. And I was not gonna drive, you know, to go try it out on my own solely because the rule set, the process, so much more involved in Steel Challenge. Steel Challenge, you can, you know, watch a few YouTube videos and figure out the the process and the unload and show clear and make ready and, and it's no big deal, but in USPSA, I felt like, man, that, that's kind of a, kind of a little bit of a more involved game. So it would be a while, you know, about six months before I shot my first USPSA match. So then were you using your double stack Rock Island 1911 exclusively for action pistol and your Canic for steel challenge? So, <laughs> um, you know how, People talk about, I can't remember what they call it, but uh, they, they you know, get one tattoo and then you just get blasted. I think they call it getting blasted. So I got one gun and then it was just all that's rough, man. Oh, uh, yeah. And so I've probably got 10 guns that never see the light of day anymore. Um, so I started, I, 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 I shot two action pistol matches with the Rock Island. Um, and then my i bought a single stack that my the the guys that are my my mentors jeff and hobby and uh hobby i bought a barrel a new bushing um we got a my 
uh, uh, shroud, which I'll show you in action pistol here in a little bit. And the prone pad got everything together and he built my gun. And so I started shoot. It was like the third match in and I was, I was shooting open. So, uh, it didn't wow. take long to go, you know, I was, you know, o open guns in, in Bianchi are just, they look more like something that comes out of star Wars than, than a gun. So it, you know, that was just, it was, it, I was like, no way I'm not, you know, I want all the cool toys. I'm going to shoot open. And, uh, and so I've been shooting open ever since. So instead of jumping in the shallow end and walking to the deep end, you jumped off the diving <laughs> board into the deep end. Absolutely. Uh, my first USPSA match, I shot limited, uh, limited minor, uh, and then quickly bought a, uh, X five Legion. And so, uh, I shot and then, uh, and then after that, a, uh, XDM four and a half, uh, elite. And so I, you know, I've shot, I've shot production, production optics and, uh, limited in USPSA. And, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm eating up with it. So it's like, oh, Hey, this month I'm going to shoot single stack and next month I'll shoot, you know? So I, I just, whatever I revolver in steel challenge shot revolver. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just a hodgepodge of, uh, guns. And just once the, once the floodgates open, man, it was just, there couldn't be enough holsters and guns and magazines in the world. And now my garage that used to be a photo studio is just slammed full of gun stuff. So yeah, <laughs> I got it bad. Now you have literally, um, an arsenal for for gun matches, you know, for competition shooting. You've got guns for everything. Um, but NRA action pistol. So let's talk more about that. I know that um, it, the scoring is completely different. So for people, I'm actually going to share the screen while I'm chatting here. But for people that have never shot action pistol, explain how it's different from practical shooting. Okay. So there you go. You see the, you see the, the target you've got an, the black is an X ring. Um, and it's worth 10 points, but the match is generally decided by how many rounds end up inside that X ring. Uh, so the picture you're looking at is shooting freestyle, um, at 25 yards and the next ring out is a 10 ring. So anything inside there is a 10. The next ring so out the, is an eight ring. Okay, so the first tan ring, uh, I'll move my cursor. Uh, we can't see it. Oh, well. So the first tan ring outside of the black is a 10 ring? Yes. Okay. And the second tan ring is what? That's an eight ring. So anything in that tan ring is going to be eight points. And anything outside of that, as long as it hits the cardboard is worth, uh, five points. Okay. So it's X 10, eight, five. Correct. Yes. Okay. So it's now when I was in the Marines, the, I, I don't know how it's changed now. So that's why I'm, I'm prefacing it like that. When we qualified with pistol, it was NRA bullseye, basically. 
Um, so it was all scoring rings similar to that, but you had X10, 9, 8, 7. I don't know where it went from there if it did. But how is this different? So what are the different courses of fire for NRA action pistol? So there are four stages in action pistol and each stage has a few commonalities. You're going to shoot at four different distances on each stage. And on each stage, you are going to shoot 48 rounds and only 48 rounds. There's no makeup shots. Uh, you, there's no, you, you can, you can be out of time, but so the first stage or, you know, I'm, there's no particular order, but the first stage is the practical. So the practical is two targets spaced, uh, the two of the targets you just saw spaced three feet apart. There's no buzzer. They start uh, this way and then they face. And so you're gonna shoot at 10 yards, 15 yards, 25 yards, and 50 yards. At 10 yards, you're gonna draw, shoot one shot on each target in three seconds, all from the surrender position. Uh, then you're going to draw and shoot two shots on each target in four seconds. And then you're going to draw, switch to your weak hand, and shoot three rounds on each target in eight seconds. You move back to 15 yards and you repeat that process uh, minus the weak hand. There's no weak hand after 10 yards. But uh, you'll repeat that process uh, one and one, two and two, three and three, and four, five, and six seconds respectively. Uh, and you keep you keep doing that until you get back to 50 yards. Um most people go prone at least at 25. A lot of people go prone at 15, uh, but almost everyone will start going prone at 25, which really cranks up uh, the, 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 the disaster factor on the time. So probably the biggest difference between that and other stages or other, uh, you know, other disciplines, if you want to call them that, is that there's no reward for speed being faster than the next guy. It's all on a par time. So you just you have to be fast enough. And there's some generous times and there's some that are not so generous. You know, 10 yards drawing one round on each target in three seconds, but the target's four inches uh, and there's no makeup shot. You know, the the uh, the, the pee, pee stains uh, start showing up. In, in yeah, the you matches. get what so, you get. Yeah. Um, and then you have the, uh, the barricade, uh, which you shoot on either side of a barricade. Um, uh, and... You do that at 10, 15, 25, and 35 yards. And that's pretty sprite. Uh, the 10 yards, you're going to draw and put six rounds on each target in five seconds. Um, and then you have the mover, uh, which the, the target starts from your right, moves to your left, uh, and it's, it's exposed. Uh, it moves uh, 10 feet per second. It's exposed for uh, six seconds. Or Yeah. And so you've... You, six rounds going this way six rounds going that way and you're going to do that at 10 15 20 and 25 yards and then you have the plate uh falling plates so you're going to shoot a plate rack uh two strings at each yardage uh at 10 15 20 and 25 yards so the you know probably what what really separates it is the par time and then that there are no makeup shots you're going to shoot if you shoot every round you're you're only ever going to shoot 192 shots in an action pistol match and you can certainly shoot less uh but but I, but I don't recommend it and uh that's kind of the biggest difference there's no there's no hit factor um you have to be fast enough but after that as long as you're getting your shots off everything comes down to accuracy everything comes down to that 
So really no movement, um, no hit factor. It's all point scoring and it's all part-time. Correct. Uh, there's, you know, mo there's no movement within a stage. So people will, right. you, know, you do jump down and go prone, but you're not right. moving around. Yeah. It's all from a no lateral movement. Position. Okay. Correct. Yeah. But, but still the pucker factor comes in that, you know, the, the part times, like you said, can be spicy at times and, and you're, you have to be a little bit more, you can't just see your dot and wing two shots. You need to make sure your dots where it needs to be before you pull that trigger because they're like you said there are it's not like oh i called that shot bad let me send another no you've got two shots right right you uh yeah you can't there's yeah you've got two rounds if the if you're on the one and one at 10 yards and you notice oh man i i winged an eight then you're just down two points at the first yard line you know um so the the it it really it really creates a strong demand for impeccable fundamentals because um, there just isn't room for error and i'm not saying i'm i'm certainly not uh, uh god's gift to action pistol um but you know that that's and that's but that's what i love about the game i love games that don't change i know anywhere i go the game's going to be 100 percent the exact same everywhere i go and so it's like week to week month to month i can look at my score and go hey you know i shot a i shot a 472 on the mover last month and this month i'm in, i shot a 475 or well hopefully you don't shoot a 475 that means you you ganked a five but uh a 476 you know so only only shot two eights you know <laughs> something of that nature so yeah you got to be careful with those odd numbers you know i don't want to throw that out because then people go oh yeah you winged a five which it happens it definitely happens but um, right there's a, we, we always joke there's always time for a five yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's always there's always a five somewhere yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so looking at this um i it looks like so the target on the left then um let me see if i can make this a little bit bigger for us this is right off your instagram so uh, mm -hmm. i'm trying to make it simple um for the most part they're all in the quote unquote x ring you've got the two at about three, three thirty, look like they would be tens, correct? Yeah, those would be tens. Okay, so but you're not losing points; you're just losing a tiebreaker. Correct. Correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, looking at the two groups you have on these targets, pretty solid. The vast majority, and I do mean the vast majority. I don't know how many shots are on target, but nine, ten. It looks like what, fifteen to twenty shots on each target? Yeah. Somewhere yeah. in there? Yeah, I don't I okay. don't remember exactly what I was doing that day, but it was uh um just you know, one of the things we talk about it with the moving target, for example, is if you can't stand and shoot X's at twenty five yards, how do you expect to do it when the target's moving ten feet per second? You know what I'm saying? So you're, you're, so you're getting ahead, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay. Yeah. You're, but That's what I'm getting at here is this is somewhere between 16 and 20 shots, and the most you have outside of the bullseye is four. So, mm -hmm. yeah, good job there. Now, but that's <laughs> what I, <laughs> but that is what I want to talk about next is the movers, because 
I haven't seen many in the matches that I've shot in USPSA, some more of your practical style shooting, not even in the IDPA. Um, I've had swingers and bobbers and, and things like that, you know, the, and the disappearing targets thing, but, um, not movers. And lately in Ipsic and Ipsic world shoot, and now the dragon's cup, they had a bunch of dragon's cup. I'm starting to see movers, but still not, I don't think as fast as what I've seen on uh, the footage from shooting USA's coverage of the Bianchi Cup. So you're saying it's 10 feet per second, and how wide of an expanse does it cover? So how long is it so it's visible? A, it's, a, it's exposed for 60 feet. So six seconds is what you have, roughly, to engage yeah. that moving target with how many shots? So at 10 and 15 yards, you are on each pass, you're gonna shoot six shots. So you're from the surrender position, you're gonna see it appear, you're gonna draw and fire six shots going to the left, and you're gonna holster, do the same thing, this time going to the right. You'll do that, then you'll move back to 15 yards, do the same thing. Once you get to 20 yards, it's gonna go, you're gonna do four times, but there's only three shots. So it's gonna move right to left, you'll do three shots, it's gonna go, Left to right, three shots. Right to left, three shots. Left to right, three shots. Okay. Then you'll so move back to 25. Do the same thing. Okay. But it, now is it two strings or four strings of each? So it's two strings at 10 and 15, and then four strings at 20 and 25. Okay. Between each, you're holstering back right. to the surrender position. Yeah. Right. With, with right to left and then left to right being one string, there's four of those. Uh, with left to right and right to left being one, then right. then it's two. It's two. okay. So you, right. yeah. So ten and fifteen yards each direction. You're, you're going to shoot six rounds. Just one time. But, okay. Just one time. So you'll shoot. You will shoot twelve rounds at each yardage. It's gotcha. just once you get to twenty and twenty-five uh, yards, it's going to be three rounds each direction. Okay, for a total of twelve rounds. Correct. Correct. Okay. All right, there we go. Now, so is this a visual start? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, the There's only one stage in Bianchi that uses a buzzer, and that's the plates. Uh, everything else is a visual start. The targets flip. There's no buzzer. And then, so that's like the diarrhea factor is hard because, you know, just time-wise, you just, you just, and if you get a skitter... If you get a skitter that's more than two bullet holes wide, it's a, it's a zero, you know? So there's dudes you see that damn near split the target in half. But um, yeah, it's a visual start. So as soon as your hands are in the air, they trigger the mover to start. And then, you know, you see it come out from behind cover and that's your cue to draw and uh, engage the target however you want to do it. Now, is there any way to game it where... Like, is there a clicker they use that you can hear it? And then so you can begin your movement as soon as they click? Or is it like one of those things you literally, you're not going to hear anything until you see that thing? So I would love to say there's no way you can game it, but you can definitely game it. Uh, you can usually hear the rail mover fire up. And so there'll be some 
some machine noise. Okay. Uh, at some matches, you may be able to peer through, like at Pioneer Gun Club, you can kind of peek through a little slit and see the see the sticks start off to move. Mm, the, the, okay. The thing is, though, you can't draw your gun till the target is visible. So if okay. if they start it and you hear cling 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 and you go to your firearm that's creeping you know and so you know so you can you can kind of mentally get ready uh but you can't yeah you you uh you can't actually draw until you see it okay all right well that that does explain that then so so it might give you that mental cue but the physical mm -hmm. cue is you see once you see paper then you can go for your gun yes or at least you can draw your gun out of the holster at that point yes yes okay now, is that you've shot Bianchi Cup? So, is that the most difficult stage of the match? I guess everybody has their thing that comes kind of easy for them, but um, but that is, I would say, is generally regarded as the hardest because it's the least practicable unless you have a very specialized range. Okay. Um, I'm fortunate that that my buddies were so hardcore. They built a mover at our club. Um, there's God another range about three hours uh, east of me that that has a mover. Um, so, you know, that's that's where kind of your dreams go to die a little bit. Uh, you know, you can easily <laughs> go and and just be wearing it out, and then the mover can just hand it to you. But. Um, my my biggest uh you know my hardest stage is the barricade that's a it's a real technique driven uh stage that that's not necessarily about shooting well it's about the the grip that you get around the barricade and in, in open um and and then watching the dot cycle and whatnot so everybody's got their stage but but yeah there's you know a lot of hopes and dreams go to die on a mover okay uh, I find uh, my 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 background. I shot movers in the military with rifle um, out to seven hundred yards. So I found that enjoyable. <laughs> that was fun. So yeah. when I see videos of people shooting movers with pistols, I'm like, I, I want to do it. I want to do it. Um, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and I'll share the screen again so people can. Because I want to ask you a few more questions specifically about the gun. So yeah, I've got mine go. with me too, so I'd be glad to show it off. Oh, you know what? Then let's do that instead. Okay. So go ahead and if you would show it up. Okay. Now it so, has a I don't know the the term if but the wings on the side. Yeah. That's what you're it's talking unloaded, about. Yeah, you can you can yeah, you can point it at me. I'm good. I'll point it I'm at down the with it. <laughs> so, so yeah, you've got um, it, It's good. We can see. The yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay. So, so the wings how do... on the side. Go ahead. Nope, you. Go go for it. Okay. So the wings on the mover, uh the wing or excuse me. The <laughs> the wings on your on your shroud. Uh this this giant metal thing is called a shroud. So on the barricade, um you're going to draw and when you're shooting open, you shoot on when you shoot on the left side of the barricade, this this wing is going to pin against the barricade and okay. you'll wrap your your fingers over the shroud around the angle iron 
and then against this other wing. And so you're, you are just pressing it into the barricade so that it's not moving as, as much as you can. When you shoot on the right side of the barricade, generally if you're shooting open, you're gonna draw and switch hands and pin this side against the barricade. And same thing, you're gonna shoot with your weak hand though, uh, so that you can get that better grip around the barricade. Okay, um, and I'm I'm going to share a picture of you real quick, mm -hmm. just so that people can see what exactly you're talking about, um, of you pinning the gun. Actually, here, so you can. I'll move it up that way. So there you are pinning the gun to the the wall. Mm -hmm. So you're bracing it in order to provide a more stable platform in order to get a more accurate shot, correct? Correct, so the, the dot generally is gonna track in a circle and every time it comes back, you know that's when it's time to shoot. So the better, um, the better leverage Ooh. you can get on that barricade, the less recoil uh, is gonna screw around with your dot. Well, that's interesting. So you're saying in recoil, it causes the dot to go in a circle? Yeah, the, the, the movement will be, it'll, if, if you're really pinned really well, uh, it'll go boom, 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 boom. And so every time you get, it'll just settle right back. Um, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you don't have great leverage on the barricade, um, which, you know, like I said, barricade's my, my hardest event. Uh, who knows where the hell the dot's going to do? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, in a, in a, in a kind of like me situation. shooting USPSA. <laughs> in a perfect situation that dot's gonna just make a little circle and and come right back uh, if you've got if you've got the right leverage yeah mm, that's interesting if you see the the picture over there above the rifle um that's me shooting m14 with the marine corps rifle team and at 200 yards there was a 60 second rapid fire stage oh my gosh and if your position is correct, like you have good body alignment, like you have a two-minute prep period to, to get your position all set up. If you've got all that good, then when, again, it's, it's like action pistol. You couldn't go until your target appeared what, or any target on the yard line. Once you see them start to arise, you can drop down, get in position, um, and you're ready to go because your gun's already loaded. You're ready but the, the thing is, if your position is solid, when you shoot, your when every time you fire, your sights will rise up, they'll come down, they'll bounce a little bit and settle exactly where you should be. And you just, you know, it's just one after the next after the next. So it's very interesting that basically your sights in a in a well, in a very good position will do basically the same thing. Just come right back around, be right there, and you're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. And what was your, what is the time constraint, the part time on that one? So at 10 yards, you have five seconds to draw and shoot five sec, uh, six rounds on each target. So you'll draw six mm. rounds on one side, holster, they flip again, six rounds on the other side. Um, and then when you go back to 15, it's now six seconds. When you go to 25, it's now seven. When you go to 35, it's now eight. 
Okay. And same amount of shots at each yard line? No yep, change? six on each side of the barricade, yes. Yep. Okay. And uh, so with me, you know, I'm as I'm moving back, I the dot that I use uh, will go from 8 MOA down to 2. So every time I move back, I'm going to a smaller dot. Um, I pretty much do that on, on, on almost all the... Uh, the stages with the exception of, of the mover. Uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, you know, seven seconds is, is, is generous, but when you're at 35 yards, you know, it can, it's anxiety inducing, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. Um, I mean, just with distance in general, you know, um, at carry optics nationals in 2020, I believe it was, there was a 42-yard target. It was out in the open, but people were still like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's still, it's that yeah, long yeah. shot out there. So, yeah, I get it. Now, yeah. so here's my question then. So, you you can adjust your dot size on the fly. At 10 yards, how much of your X-ring or bullseye, we'll call it bullseye for the listeners, is that 8 MOA covering up? So I'm not I'm not perfect on the math, but at, at ten yards, you know, it's only covering up a an inch or so of the, of the dot. Um, oh, so, so you're still AMOA, seeing a bunch of the bull. Yeah, you're still seeing a bunch of the bullseye. Okay. Um, I've messed around with things like using a using the the, the six MOA dot at fifty yards, and instead of putting the dot in the middle of the ring, I'm using the the, the the outer black edge but uh but that didn't work very well i've been astigmatism so who knows uh what the hell i'm actually seeing at, at at that distance when the dot's that big but um yeah so it's not occluding a huge amount um but then as i back up you know i keep dialing it down so that i'm at by 50 yards i'm at a two moa dot now that's interesting you were saying about the six moa I, I, it's very hard under time, especially with that pucker factor to perfectly align a circle within a circle. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's hard to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. now what, but I'm curious because again, I come from a bullseye background. We would take, you have your, your bullseye. We would take the front sight post and put it right at the bottom of the bullseye. So you know exactly where that circle matched up with that flat top. Now, have you ever tried two circles together to make that like figure eight? No, I've never done that. Uh, the, the trying to do align a circle within a circle lasted about 20 minutes at the range before I, <laughs> I realized that was just not going to happen. And right. when I shoot, uh, when I shoot metallic, uh, which iron sight, uh, which I did for a little while, uh, I would you I would do that. I would make sure that the the irons lined up right at the bottom uh, so that they would they would hit about two inches high. With the um, with this dot, I don't have to do that. Um, this is the reason I shoot this dot is this is one of the the best parts of it. This little dial on the front uh, will will adjust for my bullet uh, drop. So, you know, oh, when it's on Josh, zero. Josh, is that like a, so for rifles, you can get a BDC scope. You can get, you know what I mean? Like a bullet drop compensator. Um, mm -hmm. 
elevation knob so it matches your ballistics for the bullet you're shooting out of your gun. Is that basically doing the same thing? Similar. Um, I think it's really more about the angle and line of sight than it is because you're at 50 yards. So, you, you know, you're not experiencing a, a full, you know, arc yet, but uh, it's really more about the line of sight. Um, and so I'm adjusting, you know, so if I were zeroed at, at 10 yards, by the time I get, or if I'm zeroed at 50, excuse me, and I shoot at 10 yards, I'm like an inch and a half low. So with this, uh, each, each click is an MOA. So I, at zero, this gun's going to be dead nuts in the middle of the X-ring. Um, this particular gun will hold about a quarter, an inch group at 50 yards. Um, and then, so when I move up to 10 yards, I dial this, this knob up to 15. And then now I'm shooting dead in the middle of the X-ring. When I move back to 15 yards, I turn it down to eight. I'm dead in the middle of the X-ring. When I'm at 25, it's on two. Dead in the middle of the X-ring. When I'm at 50, it's on zero. So it's really just, it's compensating for that, for that zero so that um, that line of sight, I'm not low. If I, if I zero at 50, I'm not low at 10. And if I zero at 10, I'm not who the hell knows where at, at 50. Okay, so you're using it like a rifle scope. But on a side note, um, I don't know all the sexual, I don't know if you realize all the sexual innuendos you're making here tonight. So you said earlier that is the second second funnest thing you've done because <laughs> you were newlywed. Then right after that you said I was wearing it out, and I'm like, I almost asked you, are we talking shooting or newlywed again? And then oh, you no. just said compensating. So. <laughs> yeah, there's oh, there's and no. and we talked about thirty eight short. Right. So I, you know I apologize, <laughs> but I also don't apologize. Um, Good. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to point that out, but it's interesting. Okay. Now getting back on track. Uh, it's interesting. You're running your optic like a rifle scope, literally, because that's exactly what I do when I shoot long range matches. If I'm shooting 300 yards, I, I come up to this. If I'm shooting, you know, with a 100 yard zero, I'm coming up to a three, then I'm coming up to whatever it is. I would shoot at five. And then I'm coming up to six, seven, eight, nine, a thousand, whatever it is. So it's, it's very similar. So what optic do you have on that gun? And what is that gun? So this is an Ultra Dot Match Dot 2. Um, and it's the only optic on the market that I know of um, that you can adjust the elevation on the fly and the size of the dot. Um, so a lot of guys use them. Um, I love it. I, I don't know how I would just... I'm trying to mess with my hold and everything. It's not, it's like put the red part on the black part and pull the trigger. Um, yes. <laughs> and that's what I do. Yes. So the actual, um, this is a, a Bruce Pyatt shroud. Uh, Bruce Pyatt's kind of one of the heroes of action pistol, uh, made by Caspian. Uh, on top okay. of that, you have a protocol, uh, protocol designs stick shift. So what this does is, uh, when I'm in the moving target, um, I flip it and it builds the lead into the dot. That's cheating. So it cocks That's it. cheating. It, it is. It is cheating. Hundred percent cheating. Um, yep. <laughs> but uh, I cheat just as much as every other open shooter does. <laughs> you will not see 
an open gun that doesn't have that on it. Um, the, the gun itself actually started life as a Rock Island, uh, Rock Island Armory. So, okay. um, you know, Rock Island, if, if you, if you watch this, uh, I take a Rock Island Armory 1911 to the cup. Uh, Boom. And now it's, it's been gutted. Um, you know, I've got a giant blob of JB weld on the beaver, on the, um, the grip safety, uh, in under NRA's rules, you can't disable any of the safeties. So, Correct. you know, when it, when it counts, it counts. So I want to make sure that I never miss that grip safety. Um, yeah. So my buddy put in, uh, fitted the 38 super barrel. Um, this giant thing on the bottom, it looks like a magwell, but it's actually, there is nothing in there that's going to help you uh, reload. It's job no. is actually when you jump down prone to build a little bit of height. It gives you a base. So you yeah. Can, yeah. And a, and a stable base and a little bit of height so you can get your eye behind the gun. Um, I have uh, some extra cushion uh, down here. And so okay. I need all the height I can get to get, get that eye behind the gun. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it started life as a rock island and now it's got a KKM barrel and an EGW hammer and sear, um, some weird short 1911 trigger I found on the internet, so I didn't have to mill off a curved trigger. Uh, so now it's know, basically I, I a like Terminator. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, all put together, it looks like something out of Star Wars. The compensator um, was really not a good... We worked for, like, months trying to figure out this gun would only be... It would put together, like, an 8-inch group at 50 yards, and we were like, Oof. what is going on? I suck. And what we found out was uh, <laughs> the bullet, the bullets were grazing the comp. Oh, and so, wow. no, yeah. So my, my, uh, my buddy hobby uh, took it home and, and, and milled it out. So it was just perfect. And then all of a sudden the groups uh, went at 50 yards, went from this to, to quite literally the size of a quarter. Um, wow. You know, and, and, it, you know, so, uh, and he was like, he was pissing his pants because he's going, man. I'm, I'm, I built, I built that, I fit that barrel, and and how's it not, you know, how's it not holding the group, and made him sleep better that night too. So, okay, the the man, we the Bianchi guns are just the craziest thing. Uh, the open guns are just the craziest things, and uh, and uh, and I love it because it's like again, something came out of Star Wars instead of a, a real gun. So, right. So at the 25 yard and beyond, you are going to the prone. Yeah. So I go, I go prone at 25. Um, I go prone at 20 on the plates, 20 and 25, but generally on, uh, on the plates and on the practical, uh, I'm going prone at 25, uh, on the plates, I'll go prone at 20. And, uh, and I had a, I had a, I had a little, um, uh, disaster factor at the last match so uh you will see me going prone at 15 yards uh by the time the bianchi cup rolls around okay well you can't uh, you can't do that you got to explain what this disaster factor was what happened so um you know i walk in and i'm like you know i no big deal 15 yards draw no no big deal um well i walk out go to shoot and miss and uh and that happened at the cup uh last year and so i thought you know whatever so uh, anyway i i uh it was just a it was just a it was a first stage and i was a little huh, kind of shaky and uh 
and I, I got the bugs out on, you know, I got the bugs out. Uh, um, and, uh, and so I said, you know what, man, it's not worth the, um, it's not worth the risk to maybe miss a plate. Uh, cause if you miss a plate, you're instantly down 10 points. And, uh, and there's just, you just no way you're going to recover from that. So, uh, the, the, you know, it's all about the plates as you know, folks will say. So I just was like, Hey, all right. Um, you know, my fat ass is going to be wallering down on the ground at 15 too. <laughs> um, you know, I know, no excuses. Uh, we're, we're making it happen. So. Okay. All right. Now, what if just so that I can wrap my head around it again at 15 yards, what was the par time and how many shoot, how many rounds do you have to shoot? So at 15 yards on the plate rack, the par time is seven seconds, um, which is pretty generous when you're standing, but when you go prone, you add in, most people are getting their first shot off in around three and a half, uh, seconds. So, you know, you got another three and a half seconds to run the plates. But it's just one of those things that it on the surface it seems really simple like and it is when you're at home and there's nobody watching and if you miss eh, you know whatever uh you still get right. to go home and 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 but then uh you know the pp factor when <laughs> when it's it's there's people around and it's it's here it is is uh, is pretty high so um i had driven seven hours the night before to get to the match and uh, just, you know, I could throw out every excuse in the world, but I just, I ganked it. And uh, so I said, hey, uh, all right, that's enough messing around. Uh, we're doing it. So, uh, yeah, it's at, at uh, 10 yards, you got six seconds, uh, 15, 7, 20, you got eight, and 25, you got nine seconds. So. Okay. And you are, how far are you from CMP? I assume that's where they're going to hold the Bianchi Cup from now on? So CMP at least now is uh, committed to continuing to hold the um, the cup at Green Valley uh, Rifle and Pistol Club in Columbia, Missouri. So okay. um, yeah, so you're still and half so the for, United States away. Yeah, I, I used to have a real sweet deal. Um, I played with the Missouri Symphony. I played principal trombone uh, for ten or twelve years there, and I didn't know. I mean, I wasn't shooting at the time, so I didn't know that this amazing range was right there until last summer so i bought a membership and i went up there for six weeks and i think uh i mean i spent more time at the range than than i did doing my actual job of <laughs> performing music but um yeah they have it they they have it there uh and it is a it is a bianchi range i mean they have some some 180 uh uspsa ranges and they run uspsa matches uh every month but that range is a Bianchi range. Turners, barricades, resetting plate racks. The plate racks lock. So if you're late on a shot, it you can hit it. It just doesn't fall. Uh, so, oh, wow. So that's how, that's, how they, that's how they keep you honest on the plate rack is uh, there's a buzzer, and the buzzer goes off, but the plate rack also locks. And so if you're late, it just, it just doesn't go down. Oh, wow. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, and each each steel plate on the plate rack is worth ten points. Yes, and one X. Ooh. So oh, okay. it adds your X count. It adds okay. your X count, but it's also worth ten points. So, uh, you know, like at the Crawfish Cup last weekend, uh, I think there were three people that shot a nineteen twenty, a perfect score, and the match was decided by X count. 
you know, I think, I think the guy that one shot 180x, uh, which is ridiculous. Uh, out of 192. Out of, of 192, um, you know, so only 12 shots that whole day weren't in that that ring. And um, Bruce Pyatt, I think, uh, probably has the record on on X's uh, in in a competition. I think that I think he shot 186 a couple months ago at the wow. at uh, one of the matches. So. Um, yeah, so it you know it's like if you miss a plate, you're just down ten points, and shooting a nineteen ten versus a nineteen twenty might take you from top ten to top thirty or twenty five. You know, just depending on the year. So, right, yeah, depending on who you're shooting against. Right, so, right, yeah, uh, absolutely. So I get that. So, all right, action pistol versus practical shooting. So NRA action pistol, Bianchi-style shooting versus practical shooting. Have they complemented each other in your shooting, or has one helped the other more? So shooting action pistol has helped me in the other sports, I would say, more than the other sports have helped me in action pistol. I now, would guess that. I was very I was very comfortable with drawing from the surrender position because of steel challenge. And so I would say I'm I'm significantly more comfortable drawing from the surrender position than I am hands relaxed at sides. Uh but you know, either way, um now I would say I struggled a lot to really get over some humps in in steel challenge and then I started shooting action pistol and Within a very short order, um, you know, I'm shooting A class on most stages uh, in in a Steel Challenge, and it was it was immediate. And I, without without ever practicing Steel Challenge, just practicing Axe and Pistol, I became significantly more accurate. And in USPSA, um, I don't shoot fast. I don't move fast. The the pace that I shoot is very Action Pistol oriented, but I can call every shot at, you know, at the, at the last USPSA match I shot, you know, we'd go around and there, the, the, the guy that was ROing was jokingly like, well, why don't we just go around and just find one that's not an alpha? And, uh, and I, you know, so <laughs> we, we would get done with a stage and, uh, you know, the guy goes to score and I was like, uh, they're all alphas, but there's one Charlie. And he looked at me kind of like, what? And, uh, and then he goes to score and they were all alphas and one Charlie. So it, it has led to being able to really call my shots a lot better. And, you know, that doesn't mean I'm fantastic or amazing or, or, or a great shooter or whatever. It just, the level of focus and accuracy that's necessary for action pistol made my shooting in every other sport that much better and that much more enjoyable. I always so joke, much- I tell people like, Oh, I tell people like I it is fun for me to shoot action pistol, but I don't do it for fun. Um it, because it can also crush my soul really hard. <laughs> but Steel Challenge and USPSA, I have a lot of fun. I can go out and just I can come in dead middle in USPSA and think that was awesome. I had a great time and uh and so 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 that's kind of how action pistol is for me. It's it's a labor of love and I, I it's fun but i don't do it for fun i got gotcha. you it's a little bit more intense yeah 
<clears throat> yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and I would have guessed going in before I asked the question, I was like, I would assume that action pistol would help your practical shooting and still challenge more um, than the other ways around. Now, do you think the lack of lateral movement in action pistol and the, the intense focus on accuracy, do you think that has slowed down any progress that you've tried to make in USPSA style shooting, practical shooting? Absolutely. Um, you know, when I go out to the range, um, I'm going to practice action pistol. So the tempos that I have in my head are action pistol tempos. So, you know, it's, it's pop, pop, not pop, pop. And so I wouldn't say it slowed me down, but because I don't really do any practicing that's not action pistol, uh, that, that part of it has not helped my speed in USPSA, but yeah. it has helped the accuracy. So it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who's already fast or you're comfortable with being shooting fast and you go learn, you go shoot action pistol, you're going to be that much more accurate. Um, and, and, and of course that's going to translate over, uh, you know, four inch circle versus that, 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 um, uh, shooting alphas, you know, so, um, it hasn't, it hasn't hurt me, but because I don't actually get out and do benchmark drills in USPSA, it hasn't helped. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and that's where I would see it because I always say I, I found practical shooting much later in life. So all of my bullseye style shooting, um, I feel has, it slowed down my practical shooting and I've been having to break that habit of being precise and accepting mm -hmm. more general accuracy versus precision accuracy. So that's what I mean by slowing you down. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's been the hard, that was the hardest thing in USPSA and I'm, I still can't do it. I can't divorce that it's okay for, for them not to be right next to each other. And that, you mm -hmm. know, and so that slows me down because I just internally mentally have a hard time reconciling that it's okay to shoot fast enough that it's accurate enough uh, with, with the hit factor and everything. You know, I will right. say uh, for a while that uh, Dickens drill was really popular and my, yes. my local club, uh, they put that stage on as like a side stage. And okay. so, you know, everybody goes and you draw and it's at 40 yards and you're doing, and that, that was like, that was my crowning moment as an action pistol shooter, you know, <laughs> that, I, that like these guys who were winning the match had like one on cardboard and mine were all right, you know, right there. And I'm going, okay, let's go home now. That's, that's right. Done. I'm quitting go while home. I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think action pistol for the for the USPSA shooter or the SEAL shooter that is really serious about it is extraordinarily beneficial because um one, your gun has to run. There's no there's no makeup shots. Uh so if you have a jam, it's gotta run. You just you're just done. Uh and then as well, uh there is no opportunity to lose focus even a little bit and be 
accurate enough. You just have you have to be accurate. So anybody I've seen shoot action pistol, they go back to USPSA and they are they are much more accurate shooters. I mean, it's NRA action pistol would be like shooting a Virginia part-time stage every single stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're limited on your time. You're limited on your shots. That's all you can do. That's it. That's yep. So, yeah, which would drive a USPSA shooter crazy. Yeah. But yeah. it has I mean, benefits. They, absolutely. And the sports kind of speak to different people. Some people, I, I find that people that really love USPSA love the fact that it's different every time. Um, and you don't know what you're going to walk into. I'm drawn to games that are the same every time so that I can month to month, week to week, see that progress. And, and I think there's a, a place for balance there. Uh, but that's kind of what I won't say pushed me away from USPSA because I still shoot it. Um, it's just what has kept me from pouring myself into it the same way I do action pistol. I get it. And I, people say the same thing about steel challenge. They don't want to add more stages. They don't want to change the stages because they like being able to measure one-to-one. -one. And look, I have, I shoot a Canik in competition and I carry a Canik as my everyday carry. I have shot both of them in Steel Challenge um, and on Smoke and Hope. So I have, I have Excel spreadsheets for everything. So it's dumb. I am dumb. I'll just say it now. That's my if, it has, I love it. if it has a number and I can put it in an Excel spreadsheet, I'm an idiot and I will do it. Okay? Yes. And so I literally have spreadsheets of all of my still challenge stuff and, and I compare them and I am one-tenth of a second slower with my carry gun than I am my competition gun. So I'm like, fantastic. This is, I mean, I, I can't, there's no better way to measure how accurate and fast I am with my carry gun than that. Yeah. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. That's, yeah. that's my kind of thing, man. I, you, you warmed my heart there to hear that you had a spreadsheet with your times on it. So I got, uh, I have so many spreadsheets. Um, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so I will spreadsheet anything and everything. So I make spreadsheets at work on, on different things. It's, it's dumb. Now, <laughs> I want to go back in time to the post I made on Instagram. We <laughs> talked about it a little bit earlier about how you, yeah. you run your dot um, yeah. on your action pistol gun. Now, I would say as someone who has created ballistic classes um, and taught ballistics classes to Marine snipers and, and, and other people um, that... When, when you're adjusting, yes, it is line of sight through the dot, but you're matching up that line of sight with the trajectory of the bullet. And, right. and, you, and you know what that is. So you know that when you go from yard line to yard line, when you drop the um, elevation turret to a certain number, now you've aligned your line of sight to the trajectory of the bullet at that certain distance. So if you could explain to me exactly what you're doing with your elevation and your windage stuff. Okay. So that was a really interesting exchange. <laughs> and um, I, I, I was like, man, I don't, am I, am I, 
am I off here? You know? So I asked a bunch of my action pistol buddies and they're like, no, makes sense to me. So if it's, if it's this gun, um, you know, I don't have to worry about really zeroing at, at a particular distance. I do go out to right. 50 yards and, and as far as my elevation is concerned, um, you know, this, the, uh, there's a screw on here that pops off. And so I adjust until the group is dead in the middle of the X-ring as far as elevation goes. And mm -hmm. then on the side, this little cap comes off and that's what lets me adjust my windage. So when I was talking about how I zero, let's say my USPSA gun, um, that it's zeroed at 15 yards for elevation, but 50 yards for windage. So maybe it's like a, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to keep some of my opinions on that to my exchange to myself. But what all it, all it is, is I'm going to get rested. Um, I usually go prone to do it or, or use a bag. And at 15 yards, I'm going to sit at 15 yards and I'm going to make sure that vertically those impacts are exactly where I want them to be. Okay. And then, and then I'm going to adjust the windage knobs so that they're as close as I can get them to where I think they should be. Right. So I'm, I'm dead lined up and then I'm going to walk my rear end back <laughs> to 50 yards and lay down okay. and I'm going to do the same thing. But at this point, I don't care about where they are vertically. All I care about is where they are horizontally. So at 50 yards, I'm going to walk back with that SIG X5 and I'm going to, I'm going to shoot a group and look and see where it lined up. Because, um, like I was kind of trying to explain, like at 15 yards, it's hard to see a half inch deviation when oh, you yeah. shoot, but that that half inch deviation at fifty becomes one point six inches. So, is that one point six inches really the difference between whatever? No, but it makes me like feel better, uh, and it lets me know that if something's a little off one way or the other, it's not the gun, it's me. Um, and, and so that's, that's what I do for, for every dot is I'm going to, you know, let's say it's 15 yards. I'm going to make sure they're up and down exactly where I want them to be at 50, 15 yards. Then I'm going to walk back to 50 and make sure that, you know, laterally they are dead in the middle too, because that 50 yards is going to show up and magnify any small uh, deviation to the left or right in my windage knob. Yes. Does that make and more I sense? Yes, and that is exactly what I think. Um, I think that's so. There was even like I was having a hard time tracking it too. Just, but it's so easy to misinterpret stuff that's written. Um, yeah, because it's so hard to explain every little nuance of what you're trying to say without typing out a thousand words. Um, so you're mm -hmm. just going through the normal zeroing process at 15 yards you're matching up the vertical and the horizontal to zero. Mm -hmm. And then at 50 yards, you don't care about the vertical because you're going to adjust that anyway. You just want to make sure the windage is still at zero. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, it makes I perfect mean, sense. I was going over and I'm like, I don't understand, you know, and, and so again, I'll keep my opinions on that a little bit to myself, but but yeah, that's all. That's there's nothing, no magic in it. Uh, but that's how I do with dots that I can't adjust. Is I, you know, so my Bianchi gun, 
you know, yeah, I'm gonna have it. I'm gonna have it on zero at 50 yards, and then, but if it's my USPSA gun or a steel gun, uh, you know, I know that they're not gonna be point of aim, point of impact is not gonna be the same. All I'm worried about is lateral deviation. Gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. I, I know what you're saying. Because what I was what I was posting was assuming that there was no windage deviation, and when you zeroed, your your group was centered on your point of aim. Okay. Mm-hmm. So thinking like a crosshair, the center of your group, however many shots that is, would be centered up in the center of that crosshair. So that at 50 yards, then it should, it'll be a bigger group, but it should still be somewhat centered around that center of that crosshair. It just, my whole thing was if I zero at 15, I can shoot from five to 50 and be within a half inch vertically of that crosshair regardless. You know what I mean? So Uh, yeah. And, and that's where you and I connect because it's that, how can I make it as close as possible to give myself every bit of space to work with? That's mm-hmm. all we're doing. Yeah. I, I, man, I love that, um, that you put that out there. I have a, a buddy that shoots a um, aim point acro and he can't adjust his elevation on the fly. And so he's going, dude, what do I right. do? And I was like, dude, go adjust your dot at 15 yards and then get the windage right at 50 and then just put the dot in the middle of the X ring for the whole stage. And at, be- at most you're going to be a half inch one direction or the other and just call it a day. Um, there you go. You know, and so well, I'm glad, I'm yeah. glad, I'm glad that, uh, that we lined up on that. Cause I, I was like, yeah, I'm asking all my buddies like, dude, am I, am I, you know, am I, am I, is my, am I riding a short bus? And, and you know, what is going on? Cause and, uh, and, and so I think, you know, one of my friends was like, I think it's just a term thing. Like maybe you should say you adjust your windage or you, you know, whatever. So, or you, well, no, you're saying thing. what I get was you're zeroing your elevation at 15 and you're zeroing your windage at 50. That's yeah, what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah. That's all you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. We just summed it up yeah. in two sentences. <laughs> Got it. Got all it. done. <laughs> now I would hope though that. I would actually be upset if I had to, if I zeroed at 15 and I felt like my group was dead zero and then shot at 50 and found that there was a winded shift because then I'd feel like there's something up with the dot itself and it shouldn't be shifting that, you know, 1.6 inches. But I still like what you're doing because you're, regardless, you're confirming that windage at 50 yards. So I, I'm down with that. I know exactly what you're saying. I'm tracking. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's it's like a, if you put a paster around and it's, you know, it's seven eighths of an inch and, and you're shooting at, let's say, 10 yards and, you know, one of them just lands on the edge, you know, um, you're going to be like two inches off by the time you get to 50, which right. in practical application is negligible realistically. Right. Yep. But in my mind, I'm thinking, well, what if I gank it a little bit at 50 and then mm-hmm. there's also a deviation and that might turn into an eight, you know, instead of a 10. And so it's like all these little advantages that don't seem to make much sense, you know, uh, amount to a legitimate difference in, in your shooting. And, and I think this is where 
the the one advantage I might say that a precision shooter has over a practical shooter is understanding accuracy mm-hmm. and and how all of that how being off a little bit at 10 or 15 while practically may not matter precisely it does matter at bigger distances it does make a difference yeah. so there is that concept so i'm I, that whole post was just really bringing precision into practicality so or practicality into precision i don't know either way <laughs> yeah oh man well josh that's what i had for tonight is there um anything else you wanted to touch on like we talked about but you're like oh i meant to um say oh, yeah. this or that uh, no not really i mean okay. i just i would love to encourage uh uspsa shooters and steel challenge shooters and idpa shooters and everybody to you know go out and try action pistol it is a um it's kind of a, a dying sport at one time it was it was really big you know there were 300 and plus shooters at the Bianchi Cup, and now there's like 140, 150. And, uh, and so I'm stepping up to do kind of do my part. Um, I'm going to start uh, an Action Pistol podcast just for Action Pistol. Um, we've started a match at uh, the Escambia River Gun Club. And, uh, and so I'm going to, you know, I just would love to get the word out more about it. There are some fantastic shooters that that come out, some names that, that you would know, Julie Golub. You know, mm-hmm. is a regular at, at at every action pistol match, and she really made it her mission to get out and promote the sport and do her part and be a great ambassador. Um, but she can't do it by herself. And I'm like, hey, I'm not the greatest shooter in the world, but I can I can shoot video and I can do audio and and I can do all that. So hey, I'm gonna get out uh, and try to do my part as well. And um, you know, we've got, yeah, we've got some fantastic. But most importantly, shooters. you have passion. I do, I yes. do. What I lack in talent, I make up for in passion. <laughs> Bingo! There you go. Yeah, that matters. It really matters. Absolutely, and and you know these guys, Bruce Pyatt, Vance Schmidt, uh, Walter Johnson, um, you know, uh, the, almost uh, uh, Anthony Heinauer from uh, uh, the uh, Army Marksmanship Unit, and. You know, Jeremy Newell and Mark Edstein and the Chesney brothers, man, the Chesney brothers are the funnest guys you ever shoot with. But there's all these names that are just phenomenal shooters, phenomenal out of this world shooters. Doug Koenig has won the Bianchi Cup more than anybody else by uh, a ridiculous a number of times. And, uh, yeah. And uh, and so, you know, he's 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 like the he's most the goat shooter. of Bianchi. He is. He's the goat of all kinds of stuff. But, um, you know, and, and so. Uh, I, you know, I just I, I hope that people will get out and try it out. It is kind of humbling, like your first time, uh, but but you know, give it a shot and uh, and and you know, it's fun. So, and the guns are so, insane. So, so what do you have to do to qualify for Bianchi Cup? Is it like going to nationals? You just have to register as long as you register before the all the slots are taken. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you just register. Um, one of the things that uh, early on they decided was that it should be open for everybody. Um, so if you want to shoot the cup, it's uh, pay your money and go do it. And none of the matches uh, that, you know, the, the um, larger matches have any sort of qualifying 
uh, or slots or anything of that nature. It's like if there's 500 people that show up, then they will run the match over four days instead of two or three, you know, and, and they'll just make it work. Um, so, so there's no, there's nothing like that. You just, you just show up and, uh, and you've got your, you've got your classes, uh, the same way you do in, in USPSA. They're, they're a little bit different, but you've got those. So they're not going to pair you a brand new shooter. That's unclassified with a high master and, and have you be just <laughs> embarrassed, but they'll keep you, uh, they'll, they'll keep you with people in your, your level. I'm trying to get him to put his head on screen, but he won't. He's the big one. He's a 180 pounder. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, my he's a big boy. 65. He's a big man. Yeah, my other one's 150. So yeah, they're both. There's a lot of dog. Well, Josh, awesome. I appreciate you coming on. This has been a very fun conversation, um, and I wish you the best. And hopefully, I'll see you out on the range somewhere. Absolutely. Thanks, David. I appreciate it, man. Until next time, don't be a little bitch. Yeah.